Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. It has been a while. It's been almost a week since I've done a podcast, at least five days, and I'm glad to be back behind the microphone. We have been busy. I will talk about that more in an actual episode. I don't want to take much time here to talk about uh, what we have been doing. I want to get right into this episode, but God has been very good. We have we've come back from Sarasota, Florida, where we were there from this past Thursday through Sunday evening. Got back just before midnight on Sunday evening. We had a wonderful time. I spoke six times, plus we had a, a Q&A time where Lucia and I were up on stage fielding questions from the audience, which was really good. It was beneficial for them to hear from her, to hear her perspective on marriage mostly. Uh, it was a marriage conference, and so that's what we talked about. For those of you who would like for us to come and do a marriage conference, counseling conference, topical conference of whatever uh, you choose, just please uh, hit the contact button in the footer of all of the pages on our website, and you can contact us directly. We would love to entertain the thought of coming to your place and doing a conference, but we had a wonderful time in Sarasota. That was our third trip down there, and uh, the Lord just did some good things. Again, I'll talk about that more in an upcoming episode because I do want you to know, uh, especially those who support our ministry, I want you to know because of your partnership with us that uh, you are impacting lives uh, for the sake of the gospel, the fame of Christ, and the benefit of many. And so I just want to thank you and keep you apprised. The title of this episode and the article that I'm sharing with you on the on the website is A Rattled Confidence During Disappointment is a Sign It is from God. A Rattled Confidence During Disappointments is a Sign It is from the Lord. Trials and disappointment are two unexpected ways the Lord blesses our lives. And maybe we want to put quotation marks around blessings. I wrote an entire book about this called Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. And when you're in a trial, it's hard for you to come around to this notion. But many of you have gone through some difficult things in your lives, and though you don't want to repeat them, you you don't wish them on on anyone. You can see the benefit afterward, probably not during, but you see the benefit, and that's why I do use the word blessing in that context. What I'm describing here is a challenging way to think, but you do know it's true to the Bible's narrative, the gospel, Christ on a cross specifically is a huge blessing, but it was a horrific disappointment, and we understand that. But when it comes to our lives, uh, that's when it's different because now it's practically real and we are confronted with it. And so this tension here that in those times in our lives when circumstances mount to such a degree, we can and many times we do and I have doubted God's active goodness on my behalf. And perhaps you have been in that situation too. These are typically situational or relational challenges where our confidence in God begins to wane. Just to say it succinctly, we 
we lose our spiritual grip. And so I trust that this podcast will be a benefit to you. It will be an encouragement, I hope, and especially for those of you who are going through seasons right now that are very difficult. We have had several people come to our forums and they have talked about sexual abuse. They've talked about rape. They've talked about marriage uh, difficulties. Uh, one lady wrote in and she said, "I, I think I, I think I'm Mabel in every, excuse me. I think I'm Mabel in every one of your uh, articles." And so I appreciate the humility of these people who are coming and they're talking and they're looking for help. And it is truly a joy to be able to serve them. But I'm well aware that. They're going through some deep trials, and it's very hard. So I hope that this podcast will serve supplementally in what God is doing in their lives, and it'll give them some buoyancy as they go through uh, this, this season that they are in. And so if you want to read this, just go to our website. You could probably just type the word rattled into the search box and it will pull it up. I'm not sure if I've used this word in a title before. And so if you type the word rattled or confidence in the search box, you will you can pull it up and you can read it. And as always, I have a lot of embedded links so that you can just continue deep diving throughout our website and find hopefully the medicine that will serve your soul. During long seasons of trials, we can become more focused on the disappointment in our lives than the Christ who reigns supreme over our lives. I want to share with you three illustrations of how our trials can begin to control our thoughts and our responses. And in each one, the person that I'm going to present to you, they want a good thing. And isn't that where we get tripped up most often? It's, it's not that we want a bad thing, but we want a good thing. And sometimes when we want a good thing and it does not happen, well, then that good thing can truly trip us up and we can find ourselves falling uh, into despair or disappointment. And so here are three common illustrations. They are fictional, though, as uh, my new friend said on the forum, I think I am Mabel in all of these scenarios. Well, in the first one here, the wife who is regularly angry and disappointed with her husband is more under the management of a disappointing marriage than the Lord. In this instance, her disappointing husband has more control over her than the Lord does. Uh, here's a second one. A regularly discontented or frustrated man is more under the control of his job than what the Lord could do by bringing transcending peace to his soul. And so similar to the regularly angry and disappointed wife, we have a man whose job has more power over him than the Lord does because He's regularly dis discontented and regularly frustrated. And then here's a third illustration. A teen who is regularly frustrated with his parents is wishing too much for better parents than resting in the Lord's grace through undesirable familial circumstances. Now, the context for these three relationship scenarios is, is born out of a study from Hebrews 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I won't read that entire paragraph to you, but I would appeal to you to read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and I will share a couple of those verses with you. But this is where the writer is teaching his audience how Jesus is the only hope who will give us strength through personal trials and disappointments. The writer wants us to consider, and the big word here is consider. Well, it's one of the big words, is to consider something profound. Let me share with you a couple of verses from those six verses in Hebrews 3. The writer says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is a profound passage of Scripture. Some of the big words that I just mentioned to you are, well, consider consider who we want to consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. And then the writer says, Christ is faithful over God's house, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting, in our hope. And so we need to have confidence, not confidence in ourselves and what we can do. I'm not talking about a self-reliant, self-sufficient worldview here, but a confidence in our hope. Our hope is Christ who is faithful over God's house. And so we hold fast to our confidence and not just our confidence, but our boasting. And so we have confidence in our hope who is Christ. We are boasting in our hope who is Christ. And that's why I said earlier that when our, our confidence is rattled through the disappointments in our lives, that we lose our spiritual grip. And that's an important sentence because this is what the writer is saying. Hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We don't want to lose our spiritual grip. And so the big question is, what does hold us? The Hebrew writer appeals to his audience to hold on to Jesus, which they can do by situating their confidence and their boasting in him rather than fixating on their problems. Isn't that so good? You see, the writer knows that the person they hold on to during disappointing times will determine how they work through those times. His desire is for them to have complete confidence in Christ who will see them through their trials because Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And so the big idea is clear. If your confidence and your boasting are in something that can never crumble, his name is Jesus, then you're secure and you're full of hope. Your confidence and your joy are only as strong as the person or the thing you've placed your trust in, which you see or hear in the above scenarios with the wife, the man, and the teen. Their confidence and their boast is in something other than Christ. These three individuals have 
too much expectant confidence and hopeful joy in imperfect people who can fail them. Now, their temptation is an easy trap for any of us. And though all three of them are Christians, they have lost sight of their primary hope, their primary confidence, their primary boast in Christ while looking toward others to make them happy. The wife's hope and boast are dependent primarily on her husband's performance. That's why I said earlier she is being managed by her husband more than God. The man's hope and boast, it swings with the vacillations of what his job provides or how he is doing on any particular day. The teen's hope and boast are dependent on his parents meeting his expectations. And you remember I said earlier that all of the things that they desire are good. And that is a quick way to get tripped up when we want good things and they're not happening. Can you see the weakness in their practical theology? As I think about these three individuals, I have seen myself in all three of these situations. The circumstances in these people's lives have more control over them than the Lord does, which is the point the Hebrew writer was trying to make to his audience. Show me a person who has lost hope, and I'll show you a person who has misplaced affections. Jeremiah said it this way in 17.7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose, and I'm going to insert here, whose confidence is the Lord. When the weight of our problems outweighs the potency of the gospel, we're not far from discouragement, not far from anger, not far from despair. Diminished boasting in the Lord reveals a shaken confidence. A rattled confidence is the cue for the Lord to bring situations in our lives to help us see our functional theological weaknesses, which the design of these things God permits in our lives is to propel us to trust him. Let me give you a couple illustrations right out of the Bible. In John 11, there was a situation where Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, was dying Jesus had a different perspective on this. The text says this in John 11, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sakes I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Mary and Martha was having a, a rattled confidence kind of day, and Jesus was glad. There was a situation that was set up to help them to refocus, to reorient their minds on Christ. And what was the situation? It was a negative and despairing situation. A rattled confidence is the cue for the Lord to bring situations in our lives to help us to see our functional theological weaknesses. Here's another one in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 that you know very well. Paul says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. As you continue to read that passage, you realize that this was God's mercy to Paul to harass him, to bring him to a place of weakness so that he can find God's strength through adversity. 
if the weight of your problems causes you to lose your grip on Christ, my appeal would be for you to consider how the Lord may be in your troubles, teaching you how to trust him exclusively. I mean, you do have a choice, you know. You can complain about your circumstances. That's not the kind of boasting that the Hebrew writer was talking about in chapter 3. Of course, the other choice is you can learn how to boast in the Lord. The appeal from God's word would be for you and for me to, to see our harassments, to use Paul's language in 2 Corinthians twelve seven. We want to see our harassments, those things that come into our lives. We want to see those things as a sign from the Lord to boast in him. Let me finish the Corinthian passage. I just gave you 12.7 where Paul said in this short sentence, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Here's two verses later in verse number nine. He says, therefore, I will boast. I love that word boast. That's what the Hebrew writer was saying, that we should have confidence. We should boast. And Paul is saying, I am boasting all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then in 10.13 of Corinthians, it says, God is faithful. Again, this is Paul writing in the first book. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Paul is exhibit A to the things that I'm sharing here out of Hebrews chapter number three. And so here are some key questions to ask when you're going through problems. How you respond to life's trials will quickly tell you what you are considering. The Hebrew audience was going through significant difficulties. These trials were tempting them to walk away from Christianity. Let me share those two verses again out of Hebrews chapter three, verses one and verse five. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, with these things in mind, here are four questions for you to think about. Number one, what are you considering if you are going through a difficult time, what is in your sight lines? What are you looking at? Question number two, what, where is your focus? Question number three, what controls your thoughts? And then number four, are you more problem-centered or Christ-centered? I'm not saying this as a judgment at all because, as I said earlier, I have found myself in these places of despair where I can really lose, lose my sight. The sight line dips to where I'm more problem-centered than Christ-centered. The author of Hebrews tried to refocus the gaze of their hearts because he knew what the heart considered had a direct and immediate impact on their behaviors. And so what you're looking at, what is in your sight line, it will impact your words, it will impact your behavior. And he did not want them to take their eyes away from Jesus because if Christ is your primary consideration, you will be okay 
as disappointments come because Christ is faithful. If your heart does not dial directly into the Savior, you will lose your confidence. You'll lose your spiritual grip, and your boasting in the Lord will turn to grumbling about your circumstances. But if Jesus is in your sight lines, you are considering the right thing, or to say it more accurately, you're considering the right person. The only way that we can stay in a defeated state is by taking our eyes off Christ and setting them on something else. There's a passage of Scripture, another one in Hebrews, that kind of ties into this. It's Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, considering him, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Part of your consideration must be your interpretation and your expectation regarding God's love for you. John, John the Beloved, thought about this, thought about God's love, when he was appealing to his readers to reflect about the sort of God that they served. He said this in 1 John 3, 1. He said, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Now, when you think about the love of God, what does the love of God mean to you? This is an important question, especially when you're going through suffering, because it is easy to either dilute the love of God or have such a narrow view of the love of God that you don't see it in its complexity. How comprehensive is your view of the Father's love? Could the Father love you enough to bring trials and disappointments into your life? John asked his audience to consider, to consider what kind of love God had for them. We are considering. Hopefully, as you think about the love of God, it will raise a few questions. When most of us consider the love of God, we see his love through the lens of things going according to our expectations. It is a rose-colored love. Favorable outcomes is our most common way of thinking about the love of God. When we sing about God being good to us, few, if any, think about how his goodness and love sometimes come through the trials he allows in our lives. Do you? I haven't always. Do you see the love of God in your adversity? And here's a little irony here. Most reasonable Christians would disagree with the travesties of the prosperity gospel, but we can still have a worldview shaped by prosperity thinking. If you look at your troubles as though some strange thing has happened to you, your mind has taken the wrong shape because of a heart motivated by wrong things. Fiery trials are part of God's sovereign care in our lives. You know the passage, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Peter said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, may I insert boast here? But boast insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When these strange things happen, the Lord wants you and me to see 
Jesus, to consider him, to behold him, to have your primary focus on him. If you do, you have a full view of God's love. You have a full view of God's purposes in your lives, not a truncated view, not a circumvented circumvented view. What this boils down to is a confidence lesson. Where do you place your confidence in times of trouble? Your confidence will impact how you navigate through the trials of life. This perspective makes placing your confidence in the right person paramount. Listen to the faith and the power of Paul's words as he talked about his troubles. And listen to God's enabling power in Paul and his team's lives. He said this in 2 Corinthians 4, quote, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Did you hear the faith and power? Did you hear of God's enabling power in their lives? We all waver and fall when trouble comes. I'm speaking autobiographically now. Fallen people falling is part of being fallen people. This condition is why Christ came, to create us in a new way. We must see our wavering and our falls as signs that point us to misplaced confidence, which is our cue to recalibrate our confidence in the Lord. The words from our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable when God is managing us. We would find unusual strength no matter what trial was shaping our lives. Notice how the psalmist talked about this worldview I'm communicating to you. He is not trusting in what a horse can do. He is not trusting in what a man can do but rest in the pleasure of God's steadfast love. This is Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. Here it is. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. That's why I was talking earlier about John in John 3, 1, about considering the kind of love that God has for us. It is a steadfast love. This kind of person that the psalmist is talking about in 147 is courageous in fire, in the fire of adversity. You see, a synonym for confidence in Hebrews 3, 6 that I've been sharing with you is courage. His confidence in Jesus will give him courage for the adversity the Lord has permitted. Do you see how that works? You'll see this mostly in his attitude, in in the sufferer's attitude. You'll perceive the sufferer's confidence by his word choices. When someone is talking to you about their trouble, listen to their heart, which you can do by their word choices. If this person is trusting in the Lord, he's like a young child who finds security in his parents. He feels safe and secure because he knows his parents will take care of him. 
He knows his parents love him. His confidence and courage are built upon and strengthened by what he considers his parents to be. As spiritual children of God Almighty, we have great confidence. We have great courage because of how we consider him. We should easily make our boast in him, even in our trials, because we know nothing will ultimately overcome us as children of God. One more pass-through of this passage. He says Christ is faithful over God's house, and we are his house. We are the children. We are the children of God, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope, our hope has to be Christ. Jesus said it this way in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The title of this podcast I've just shared with you is A Rattled Confidence During Disappointment is a Sign. It is from God. And may we take the cue and calibrate our hearts because we want our confidence to be fixated on Christ. We want our boasting to be fixated on Christ. And we will find otherworldly strength through our troubles. Now, if you're going through a difficult time, yes, it's easier said than done. And I have a call to action here, and I would love for you to consider it, that you would work through these questions, that you would reach out to a competent friend that can help you. And of course, if we can do that, we are just a few clicks away. Let us know. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.